There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So Vic, do you think you might have ADHD? Well, listeners keep emailing me telling me that they think I do, so probably. Mind you, listeners also email us saying we talk too much about your mum's feet. So what do they know? Yeah, fair enough. I honestly had no idea about the connection between overdrinking and ADHD until we started this podcast. About 40% of people that have had any sort of drinking issues also apparently have ADHD. Whenever we chat to ex-drinkers, this comes up more than you'd believe. If you have ADHD or suspect you might or just want to learn about this link, then we would encourage you to check out the I Have ADHD podcast. It's the place where adults with ADHD find research-based information, validation and tons of support. This is the best way to feel less alone and hear some of the answers to the questions you've been sitting with for too long. You'll hear detailed descriptions of what it means to have ADHD and enjoy interviews with the foremost experts in the industry so that you don't have to read those ADHD books that are collecting dust on your shelf. Yeah. Listen to the I Have ADHD podcast and learn how ADHD affects every aspect of your life. From the boardroom to the bedroom. In the podcast, you'll also hear about their ADHD coaching programme, which is called Focused. Focused is made up of three pillars, courses, coaching and community. It is designed to help you build your own self-improvement programme and is perfect for the ADHD brain. And you can get $50 off the course just by using the code SOBER, S-O-B-E-R. So if you're tired of feeling stuck and don't know where to start, listen to the I Have ADHD podcast. Oh, the kettle's boiled. Great. Perfect timing. Should we get started then? I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Lucy Good. And this is Sober Awkward. Right, Lucy, over to you. Thanks, Vic. So whatever stage you're at on your sober journey, and Vic and I are at completely different stages... You'll know that life without booze can at times feel, what do you reckon? Awkward. Lucy and I invite you to listen to our podcast where we discuss the realities of sobriety. The good, the bad, the ugly and the cringingly embarrassing. Our honest and open chats will help you discover what it really means to be sober. Yes, we're here like a dodgy bottle of port from your nan's drink cabinet to take the edge off sobriety. And together, we can learn how to feel the awkward and do it anyway. What is it? Do I have to wait? Can't I have it now? No, you can't have it now. It's a present for later. I'll do it in a minute. Oh, right. Hello. Hello. We're here. We're in our little studio with Alan again. Alan, our lovely sound guy is here. How are you doing, Alan? Where's my money? Oh, he's gone out. Well, I thought you said that we could use the studio for free. Oh, so I thought I haven't discussed any finances with him anyway. Oh, he's a fucking God. pain in the ass anyway. Oh, we'll have to find somewhere At least he's else. gone. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be moaning that we've got all our sounds wrong yeah. if he was here. 
I'm desperate to know, Lucy. I, I don't know whether our listeners have listened to the last two podcasts, but this is podcast three. And in the last one, Lucy was getting prepared to go to one of her first major sober social events and was extremely excited about it and determined to be the good friend and show up, even though she was a little bit nervous about it. So how does it go, Lucy? I'm so desperate to know. Oh, I'm I'm so embarrassed. I, you know, anyone listening, I am feeling like I'm going red from the neck upwards, but <laughs> I didn't go. Oh, Lucy, how come? I just, I couldn't do it, Vic. I, like, I feel really stupid because I was on the last <laughs> podcast bigging up what a good friend I am to this friend whose birthday it was. Special birthday, special number, wasn't going to let her down. Didn't matter how hard it was for me. I was going to be there for her. Um, And I was going to be there for her. And I woke up on Saturday morning with every intention of going. I think the first thing that went wrong was I decided to have a look at the menu, at the venue before. Oh, yeah, right. Which I know is a little bit sad. (laughs) But when you don't drink, you you know, your food means a lot. And also because it was going to be with people I didn't know I thought I'll just check out the menu first because I might be having conversations with people and I can't look properly I know it's very sad I'm trying to make excuses for it but in checking out the menu I realised the venue was more of a bar than a restaurant okay right well that yeah fair enough it just put a crack in my enthusiasm to go And it just shows you how stressful these events can be. Like you build yourself up. You really think you're going to be able to go there and be strong and be the only sober person at the party. But as that event probably gets closer, you realise that that is actually a really hard thing to do. And we all have to experience those those moments. And of course, our saying is feel the awkward and do it anyway. (laughs) Except I did. But Lucy felt the awkward and didn't do it anyway. (laughs) Oh, well. So I'm probably about seven months sober. So I mean, as much as embarrassing it is to admit that I just didn't go to my friend's birthday and I did send her a lovely message. I know I didn't even phone her because I just felt really down. I was beating myself up about the fact that I wasn't going. And um, yeah, I do feel terrible. Her present is still sitting on the table at home. Yeah, but I was. Well, I remember we chatted about it and I was thinking that actually it's really good to know yourself well enough. I mean, the positive... Um, aspect of this is that you know yourself well enough that you weren't ready to go and to know that in your heart is a really actually a nice you know you're being kind to yourself there yeah. because you're not going to put yourself some, through something that you're not going to enjoy and that's going to make you feel uncomfortable no that's absolutely right and I think it's really good actually for as much as I hate to admit that I didn't go it's good for the listeners to know that at seven months you can still be struggling to do these things and you can have really good intentions and I will just quickly add that there was a group chat where everyone was talking about arrangements for the evening and the following morning when I felt a little bit better I'd had a sleep I messaged them group of ladies I didn't really know and explained I said look sorry I didn't make it I've actually been sober for six months and I just backed out at the last minute and straight away I received three messages from different ladies who I'd never met before congratulating me on what I'd done telling me there were a few others there who weren't drinking and they really hope that they see me next time so I think that uh, Buddha was right when he said that humans are all kind and we just have to uh we just have to recognise that everyone is there to support you, really. No one's 
really going to give you a hard time. So, yeah, it actually made me feel a bit more guilty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you really should have gone. <laughs> yeah, so that was my sober failure for last week. Yeah. Glad we got to start off on one of my failures Yeah, hooray. <laughs> yeah, I think it's good to know that, you know, failures are okay as well. I mean, it's not a failure, it's just part of the process and hopefully next time you'll go. But we'll see. I mean, that's going to be part of the journey of this podcast is how we both develop within our sober society and yeah. how things change for us. It comes to my point at the last episode, I we talked a lot about my reaction to people when they ask me in those situations, like whether I still drink and it was a rude answer. So I, I bought you a present, actually, Lucy, I, this week. <laughs> I've seen this sitting here yeah. on our, in our little recording studio and I've been wondering what it is. So for the people listening, it's um, a really cool wrapping paper wrapped up uh, with like hundreds and thousands. You can tell Vicky's got kids. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah, she's it's, unwrapping it. It's oh. going to be like one of those things where you go and buy some scissors and they're in a really tight plastic container and you need scissors <laughs> to open them. Oh, oh, it's a what the fuck button. <laughs> oh. Why couldn't you have given this to me last week? I know, I, I know take, you wanted it. I would have it. easily gone to the sober dinner. I, I've ignored my children this week, scouring the internet to find that for you. I couldn't find an F off button, but I found out what the F button. So I thought maybe when you go out next time, you can take that with you and anyone asks you any uncomfortable questions, you can just press that. I'll press it now, do someone can hear yeah, it. <laughs> Why did you do that? I'm not quite sure really how it works, <laughs> why it works, but actually don't take it out with you. It's stupid. I love it. I'll keep it forever. Okay, good. Excellent. As long as you, you can open it properly. <laughs> so what are we talking about today, Lucy Lou? Well, we are, it's great. We, it, our topics always roll on really well from the last ones and from our conversations and everything that's happening in our world. And this week we're talking about boring boredom, bored, bored, bored. So there's no getting around the fact that the word Sober is linked to the word boring in our conscious and subconscious minds. And at over three years sober for Vic and six months for me, we get it. So are sober people boring? Is being sober boring? How do we handle the boredom that comes with sobriety? And is it actually boredom or is it something far more exciting like freedom, space and time, which you're unsure what to do with after drinking for so long? Or is it drinking that's boring, Lucy? I mean, repeating the same old patterns really did get boring for me in the end. What we want you to take away from our podcast today is to know that it is normal to associate sobriety and boredom. But we'd like you to take another look at it and decide for yourselves whether choosing a sober life is really a boring choice compared to boozing. We want to help you handle those feelings of boredom throughout your sobriety journey, including how to reframe them and embrace them for what they really are. Stick with us because I promise we're not boring. Well, I don't think we are anyway. Oh, sorry, sorry. Have Lucy, you... wake up. Sorry, you've got such a monotonous voice. I know, monotone. I've, got, I've, got, I've also got very <laughs> flat eyebrows as well, so I've got like, um, like one eyebrow and a very monotone no, voice. I knew, I knew there was a reason <laughs> you were so bloody boring. Anyway. <laughs> not a good combo. <laughs> anyway, look, to get started, what I wanted to talk about was... The reason why we associate sober and boring, because it is definitely a very strong link. And when I was planning this podcast, I decided to stick it into Google, as you do, um, and see what came up. And what came up was, number one, not affected by alcohol, not drunk. And number two, serious, sensible 
solemn. Hmm. So basically their ends a podcast because that is the reason why everyone thinks sober and boring should go together and Google's confirmed that um, yeah, they are true. linked. Yeah, yeah. I guess that's why a lot of people don't ever attempt sobriety is because of that. If they just Googled it, they'd be like, <laughs> why would I do that? That why is the I most stupid thing myself? anyone could ever do. Yeah, why would you do that to yourself? Actually, I don't think those words represent us, Lucy. I don't think I'm serious, sensible or solemn. I'm definitely not sensible, I know that. Um, and I don't think my friends would describe me as boring either. What we want to look at today is like, what are our honest thoughts on how we used to feel about sober people? Like, were we boring or are they boring? I don't really know how it works, Lucy. It's a bit like the chicken and the egg, what comes first. But I think it's really important here that we talk about how we felt when we were drinking about sober being boring and what our thoughts were because we certainly don't want to come across as high and mighty and to know it all because we, we certainly don't. We're in a learning process and looking back at my drinking days, I'm quite embarrassed about a lot of the thoughts that I had and what I felt about it, about how drinking was just so bloody boring. What are some of the things that you used to think, Vic, <laughs> when you were a big drinker? Well, I used to hate sober people. I, in fact, I detested them. I think they, I thought they were horrible. I thought they were orangeiness swilling dullards is my note I've got in front of me here. <laughs> that was my three words that came to mind. Like I thought they were smug, the most boring people in the whole world. And because drinking was so ingrained in me, I couldn't see it from another perspective. I w was unable to see out of my drinking bubble. So therefore, I hated anybody that could see me drunk. I hated anybody that was judging me. And I guess sober people were everything everything that I wasn't. So therefore, I, I probably was very teenagery about it. Kind of an immature attitude was to hate something that I didn't understand. Um, I think I'm, my drinking attitude was like that probably for 25 years. I felt sober people were a threat to me. They were there to ruin my fun. Mm. They scared me a bit because I couldn't understand them. I looked like a psycho standing there with like a, <laughs> like a fizzy water. I just thought, oh my God, that, that person's probably a stalker or something. <laughs> I know it's terrible. This, this is just the honest truth. <laughs> I just wasn't just let it all out yeah. let it all flow <laughs> I think deep down Lucy though like thinking about it now in sobriety I my sister is 20 years sober and I remember that she used to to be sober at a lot of the events where I was absolutely hammered and I remember looking at her and thinking oh my gosh you are amazing mm. like all of these things that we're doing and you're just putting up with it and joining in she used to be there in a feather boa singing karaoke with me at three o'clock in the morning and I just wondered how she did it and it felt, I felt like she had some magic in her mm. and perhaps sober people scared me because I didn't know how to grasp onto that little bit of, of magic that they had I just didn't think it was a possibility for me mm. and I'm sitting here like a nodding dog agreeing with everything you're saying good it was <laughs> I like it when you do that. It was it was almost as if see a sober person in a bar was an offensive sight. Yeah, absolutely. Offensive on the eye. Absolutely. Isn't that strange? Yeah, Isn't that awful? It just ruined the fun. But in fact, they were making you question yourself. And because, you, as you say, you couldn't put your finger on what it was about them that was upsetting you so much. So you, you, you label them. Yeah. It's boring. Yes. And boring's a really easy one to put on them. Yes, it's like the school bully saying, you are this, you are that. When in fact, they're the one that's probably got the issues. It's not the kid that's being bullied, of course. It's the bully. And I, I was probably a drinking bully, actually, if I really think about it. I bullied other people. I'm not proud of it. And I... And I do regret that, but it's just it's just the way I was. I, was, I mean, that's, drinking was all I knew and drinking was so 
it was fun for me. So I it, it, I couldn't redefine it in my brain. So anybody that wasn't involved in that fun, therefore, was not part of my gang and I didn't want them anywhere near me. Mm. And for me, I think I felt that I was boring if I didn't drink. I genuinely felt I was a boring person. When you have drink in your life, you use it to build the character that you become and then you need it to be that person that goes out and makes everybody laugh and does the stupid things and is outrageous and wild. That's who you are. And you actually can't do that when you're not drinking and you're boring. You've got to, you've got to have that alcohol to be fun, which ultimately means that without alcohol, you're a boring person. And that's a terrible uh, way to describe myself. But I did honestly, I didn't think I was enough without alcohol. I didn't think anyone would like me. And I thought I was boring if I didn't drink. And I'll even go so far to say that I felt that there was no point in even going out if I couldn't have a drink because it would be a boring night. Yeah, same here. I mean, I couldn't, why would you go out and not drink? I just couldn't fathom it. It just seems like a, such a strange thing to do in my you past. You just wouldn't like, bother. No. And I remember occasionally, like very rarely, like being the driver or something and just not being able to talk, not being able to join in and finding everybody really annoying. And I just thought, God, I'm never, ever going to do this again. Mm. I'm leaving the car at home. I'm yeah. get, we're all getting taxis, whatever. I would do anything to avoid being the sober person. And I very rarely was. I mean, I was always in blackout before anybody else. So, like, I, I'd say that was probably once that happened and I never, ever let it happen again. Yeah, I used to make it very clear that I will not be playing my part as the sober driver. I just won't be coming when it's my turn. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> So you haven't passed your test. No, sorry. I'm still uh, learning. Any excuse. Any excuse, yeah. Crazy days, I know. It's sad, really, that that we thought that at the time because actually now we're learning another way and actually it does take some learning. I think that's what we'll talk about a little bit. It takes a huge amount of learning and I'm really glad that we've discussed that because we've been open about how we felt and there will be people listening in who think, I actually feel like that now. I still feel that way. So that is how we used to feel. And um, you might feel very similar. You might feel, um, you know, that it's slightly different, but, uh, you know, still feel that boredom that creeps in and with anything around sobriety. And sometimes it's just another way of avoiding facing the fact that you need to make some changes because you, you yep. think life will be too boring and you need alcohol in your life to make it more exciting. So also there, what you're saying is like you're be- you are actually trapped by the thought of being boring. So you get trapped in a certain type of lifestyle because you're scared of being your authentic self, which which is the truth totally, because obviously yeah. alcohol is going to take away who you truly are because you just become somebody else when you're drinking heavily like me and Lucy did for years. I mean, everybody liked me because I was the life and soul of the party, but, you know, I was in a blackout, so I never really remembered anything. So really for all those years, I was trapped in a life because I didn't want to be that boring, sober person. And I guess Lucy's the same. We were scared of being being boring. It was beliefs that we created for ourselves, stories that we'd made up in our heads, and they weren't the truth. They They're weren't the, the reality. But when you get sober, you do suddenly realise what the reality is. Having said that, um, getting sober can still be boring in, in some ways. Um, so it's about learning to cope with those moments of boredom and recognise them for what they are. So now we've talked about our awful thoughts we had when we were drunks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> terrible Sorry, drunks. that's a terrible word. No, maybe. so I don't mind. Oh, I, was a, I was a right old drunk. <laughs> <laughs> you can say it now, you're not. Yeah, I don't mind. Um, 
let's just talk about how, you know, I'd like to ask you maybe first, Vic, now that you, you've been sober for three years, um, how, how have you dealt with those feelings of boredom on this journey? I'm going to be brutally honest and say, Lucy, I do still get bored sometimes. I have ways that I deal with that boredom, but, you know, I do miss dancing on speakers to like loud house music and, you know. You should I, have said we'll do it one yeah, night. Yeah, I know I will. I'd love to do it. Like, <laughs> but, you know, that's the thing. You can still do those things, but for some reason, kids and everything and... I, I reminisce about those times like I can't do them, but really I probably could go out and dance on a speaker. I mean, I'd probably have a mummy feeding bra on and <laughs> some massive pants. Didn't you do that that um, silent disco thing? I have done Brisbane, silent disco. Like sober, Yes, I've it. done sober silent disco and it's literally the best thing I've ever done sober. It was pure joy and I recommend it to anybody listening because... The sober dancing is really it is a way of like reliving those drunken moments, but actually remembering it, which is a lovely thing. So, so can we just quickly add for the listeners, this is putting on a set of headphones and walking around in public, dancing and singing. Um, and I suppose this shows the difference in our stages of sobriety. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything worse doing yeah. that sober. Pissed, quite happy to, but yeah. sober no way. Yeah, you're you were super comfortable doing that. I mean, I think it was quite confronting actually, to be honest. It was the first time I was quite confronted by it, but I just decided I'm gonna go with this. I've done this a thousand times drunk and not cared. So this is again my learning curve is that I'm just gonna get on yeah. with this and try and enjoy myself. I did feel a bit uncomfortable when they did a choir and I had to stand on the stairs <laughs> singing an Elton John song in front of like the whole of Maruchidor near where we live. But I got over it. Yeah. I mean, it's hard because drinking was how I relaxed and finding new ways to wind down does take time and effort, especially being a mother of three really young kids. I mean, it's another topic is mummy wine culture, but I always needed ways to escape um, because of that moment of boredom, because of that time at 5 p.m. when the kids were sort of distracted or at 7 p.m. once they've gone to bed. Well, I say 7pm, it's normally like nine <laughs> no, I've never seen after 15, after 15 trips. Yeah, 15 <laughs> trips to the bedroom and various excuses. But, you know, changing that mindset for me, becoming sober at that time, you know, that seven o'clock period, the witching hour, it's very, very hard. Um, so what I had to do was to learn to accept a different sort of life, I guess, in my sobriety and learning that boring is okay um, and learning that I'm not going to feel those feelings that I used to feel, that sort of um, alcohol-infused euphoria again um, or that sort of contentment and swapping it for something else. That's something that I think we'll talk about a lot on this mm. podcast, Lucy, is this short-term high that I used to have with drinking, my mind wants to go there and I had to rewire my brain to make it less boring and to go right actually that's what was boring was you know was feeling like that all the time feeling like I had to drink to take the boring away um, and so now the things that I do to stop feeling so boring is I listen to podcasts like this one I read a lot of quitlet it's called so as many books as I can read I swim I walk I love watching some miserable English crime dramas. I actually also love watching... Sorry, you're making it yourself sound really boring. Yeah, I've got to, really, I know, but it's your perception of me being boring. I like being boring. I think that's the, that's the key, is embrace the boring. And you're going to laugh at this one. I love watching the traffic news on... 
<laughs> on the M25 in London. I switch it on and go, oh, yeah, thank God I'm not there. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm on the other side of the world. I mean, that's, that. and then I watch the weather. No, this is really can not I going just, well, is yeah, it? Yeah. Can I just suggest that you finish up there? On the- <laughs> <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that I think you need to find other ways to fill in that time when you get bored. So you miss out on those cravings and you miss out on feeling like you're you're not, you know, you're not drinking. Yeah, you, you sort of, you reach, what you say is you reach this high, like you would on any drug, you reach a high with alcohol and you you try to reach that again. You're so used to reaching that high that when you're sober, you're never going to get anywhere close to it. And so you, you feel like you're bored and you desperately want to reach that high and you've got to talk to yourself into the fact that that high that you reach is so short-lived. So I'm just going to stay in this space that I am now and I'm going to entertain myself in a different way in this space. And if that's um, watching the M25 news exactly, or whatever it is, I mean, I'm going to share some things that I do and um, they'll be equally funny, I'm sure. So you can take the piss out of me. <laughs> okay, good. But I've made some notes as well as to some of my thoughts from my sobriety journey around boredom. And I actually picked today's topic because um, I wrote an article Cool for Vicky's website, Drunk Mummy, Sober Mummy, um, about the first 100 days of not drinking and my experiences of it. And if anyone wants to see that article, I'm really proud of that because it was the first time I really put anything about my drinking and sobriety out there. But for me, between the days of 70 and 100, I was bored shitless. I really was. And um, it was around Christmas as well. So that probably made it harder for me. I just remember sitting in my living room. It was completely silent because I didn't know what to watch on TV. I didn't know. I didn't want to listen to music because it kind of reminisced of my drinking days. I didn't even know what to eat or what to do because I didn't really know who I was anymore because drinking was such a huge part of me that had been taken away that I felt like a blank canvas. Yeah. I felt so completely dull and boring. Mm. And one of the things I actually did was I went on to your, and and this is not a promotion, it just so happens that I'm mentioning all your resources, but I went on to your Facebook group, Vic, and I told people how I felt and I got so much support and I was going to print out some of those comments, but the comments really got me through. It was from people who had been through the same thing and, you know, just really inspiring things about how well I was doing and how it's not boredom, it's this and that and just ideas and suggestions. So that really, really helped me to to get through those periods of time when I was really struggling with boredom in sobriety. And agree with you, Vicky, there are still moments of boredom, but they do get less and less, I think, don't they? Absolutely. And now those moments of boredom, I just like to, you know, sit with them and enjoy them because it's so much nicer being bored than living a life of chaos, which yeah. is what drinking was doing to me in the end. Yeah. I mean, the answer was clear. If I had to choose the two between the two, I was bored of drinking. And I mean, and the... And, I would swap it any day. I would rather be boring and watch the news and the traffic on the on the M25. Yeah, rather, yeah, rather than sitting there and thinking of the hangover and the anxiety. Yeah, you know, what is boredom compared to all that? It's 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 lovely, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's almost heaven. like peace. Yeah. yeah, it's peace and tranquility, really. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah, and you learn to live a more peaceful life where you enjoy that um, tranquility that yeah. some people see simplifying as things. Yeah, yeah, just simplifying life and taking it down to that one level, which we talk about a lot, like turning turning your life into more of a flat 
flat line than this kind of squiggly line that's going all the way up and down and there's all, yeah. all these crazy stuff going on. But if you bring it, if you stretch that out and bring that line to a flat line, which could be considered boring by some people, and it can be sometimes, and that's okay. Like being boring is so much nicer than being drunk. I mm-hmm. think that's a really yeah. good point. I was having a conversation on the phone with a friend of mine who still drinks and I said to her, there is nothing in my life that isn't easier now I don't drink. And then I said, maybe except for going into a bar. Mm. But the truth is your productivity is up. You're, you're, you've got heightened awareness. You're able to do everything that you used to do, but you do it all so much quicker that you do end up with spare time on your hands. And again, we, we interpret that as boredom, but it's not. It's a blank canvas with yeah. which you can do whatever you want. Yeah. But I mean, it's so important that we're discussing this today because... When you're getting sober, boredom can actually be one of the massive problems that turn you back to drinking. So I'd like to talk a bit about why that is. And I think probably because you've been sober longer than me, or like yeah. I said, like, so I, like say, I like to rub that well, in. Well, I often, week. oh, I reframe it as you're a bigger pisshead than me. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> don't reframe me like that. I'd rather just to say that I just I am better than you in most yeah. ways. Let's just leave it at that. Oh God. I'm glad you gave me a present <laughs> yeah, at the beginning yeah. of this podcast. Otherwise, you can I press might... it. You can press it now. Okay. Like, yeah, go on. <laughs> okay, I'll bring it over and press it. Let's let's hope it makes the right sound. <laughs> oh, I'll do it again. Oh, there you go. There you go. What the fuck? <laughs> All right. Yes, yeah, so moving back on. Tell us, Vicky, I mean, why can it be so dangerous um, in that in that time of getting sober, those feelings of boredom? I mean, it is so dangerous because they're the moments where you'll probably crave alcohol more than anything else. Those moments of boredom, you probably filled that space, that void of boredom with booze. So how do you think yourself out of it? Um Uh, There's a famous saying, which is an idle mind is the devil's playground. I mean, once you start thinking about that cold bottle of wine in the fridge, you can't stop, especially people with an addictive history. I mean, once you start thinking about something, it's impossible to, you know, take your mind in other directions. Same with a packet of biscuits in the cupboard, isn't it? Yeah, it's the same thing. Like once you start thinking about it, it sort of creates it even more. Um, Boredom can lead the mind down some very unfriendly alleyways. For me, I found replacing bad habits with good ones and finding new hobbies helped me preoccupy my addict brain. So I started very strangely when I gave up drinking. Suddenly everything started to work. I mean, my brain started functioning properly. The f- properly, the first <laughs> for the first time in <laughs> for the first time in many. Well, since I was, I really believe it yeah. was since I was fourteen years mm-hmm. old, mm-hmm. and and I wasn't even very smart then. So that's what I'm catching up to. <laughs> so when I gave up drinking, the first one of the things I did was join a pottery class. And a boxing class, and I pounded a boxing bag instead of a box of wine, which was an amazing thing to do. I didn't know I was a fit or healthy person because I hadn't done any exercise in that whole time. I mean, the only place I ran to was the bar or down the, you know, down the seafront. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I could manage that, but that was about it. I'd never ever done any exercise before, so exercise is a great way to fill in boredom. And I know if you said this to me five years ago, I would have been like, "Oh my god, what are you going to tell me to go for a jog?" But actually. I am going to tell you to go for a jog and I hate myself as well, so that's okay. <laughs> and you're not very clever no. and you're the biggest hit head. But actually I'm amazing, so I'm not going to put myself down in this podcast too much. I'm only going to put Lucy down. <laughs> oh, that's why I'm used to it. 
so yeah, I redirected all of the effort that I put into drinking into stuff that fed my soul rather than ate it away. And I think that's a really important thing to do. It's just like swapping those things out. So it's something to replace the boredom so you avoid those cravings. And you can have fun in other ways. There are so many ways to have fun. You've got to be creative and you've got to put yourself out there. And I know it's scary and I know we talk about Lucy not going to the party and things, but it does take time and effort. So don't feel bad when you don't show up and don't feel bad if you stay in and watch some rubbish crime dramas like I do sometimes. It is fine. Just do that for a bit. Go out next time. I mean, to be kind to yourself more than anything else while you're thinking of things to do. Be nice to yourself. I mean, we I talked about earlier about how when you stop drinking, you're left with so little because all of your character and everything is based around drinking. And once that's gone, it's really hard to... You, so, I mean, if you've been drinking for long as long as we did, so since we were 14 or 15, you actually... Your, ho- your hobby, your life hobby has been drinking. It came above everything else and all those other opportunities you had to try different things in life you didn't bother with because you just wanted to drink. So, I mean, it's really hard. When you come out the other side of it 20 years later, you're 20 years older and you've got different things that you want to do. And so it's about finding out what those things are. I mean, I've actually discovered that I am an introvert. I am an introvert and I don't need to go out to bars and I don't really want to spend my time socialising with people I don't really know that well. I'm quite happy sitting at home knitting or... What? Yeah, I, yeah I, I, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it <laughs> publicly. I've decided I love knitting. Oh my God, Lucy, you're laughing at me for watching bad telly <laughs> and watching the traffic on the M25. And now you're telling me you're knitting. Look... I know you like to take the piss out of my knitting. You go for, go for it. Go I'm for not going to say no to a Christmas scarf, though. I, no, must I was admit. just about to say, <laughs> you keep going on about my knitting in your negative manner and you won't be receiving a Christmas scarf. OK, sorry, Lucy. I think your knitting is amazing. Really like it's really, it. It's really long. It's really well, colourful. <laughs> like, wow. Your kids loved it when they saw That's it, true, all my did. lovely, long, colourful things. I think they unthreaded the few of them as well, actually. <laughs> yeah, Lucky it was your kids. Not little urchins. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I love sitting at home, putting something on Netflix, relaxing with a cup of tea and knitting. That t- it turns out that's who I am now, 25 years after drinking. You know, I'm 46 years old. It's okay to do those things. It's not a good look going out and getting completely pissed in the local bar at my age. It was okay. We could get away with it when we were younger, um, but not anymore. So, yeah, that's just something um, that we discover about ourselves as we move on in our sobriety journey. So, like, we really want to give people to take uh, stuff to take away from this podcast, I want people to go away and think, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get sober and I'm not going to, if I feel bored, these are the things I'm going to do. So let's just talk about some of the ways that we manage uh, other than knitting and um, watching the traffic of the M25 in England. What are some of the ways that we manage the feelings of boredom and stopped ourselves from picking up that wine or that beer or that vodka and drinking again? Vic, you yeah, I think I think one of my favourite sobriety sayings, I don't know, it came up on my Instagram feed. Um, 
which actually is a good point, actually. I really recommend if you are considering sobriety, making a a separate Instagram feed than your normal one and just following people that are on the same path as you because I did that with my Drunk Mummy, Sober Mummy Instagram page. And now if I'm feeling bored or if I'm feeling cravings or anything like that, I can scroll through and see people going through the same thing and it's separate to my family pictures and all that sort of thing. But I was on there one day and there was just a picture of an old cassette tape, like a sort of 80s-style yeah, raid to stereo cassette tape. And it just said underneath, play it forward. And it, for me, that means everything. It's not the case of me just having one glass of wine. It's me having the second glass, the third glass, the fourth glass, and then being in a blackout. So if I sit in those moments when I'm bored and play it forward and think about how alcohol really affects my life, it makes me not drink and it makes me not feel bored because actually I'm just so thankful not to be that person. So I just sit with it. I just sit with that feeling. I feel the feels and I let that absorbed into my body and then I go and put the kettle on. It's a really, really simple tool just to sit with those feelings. Remember how drinking makes you feel, all of the anxiety, the hangovers, all those horrible side effects. Also, another way of reminding myself is just to look at my children and remembering my reasons why, because really they are my reason why I am a sober woman now is because I wasn't present for them each Sunday when I was hungover. And if I just look at my children, I mean, sometimes I look at them. And what, <laughs> I, wish I, I wish I could have a drink. <laughs> yeah, wish I, I wish I could just run away down the road and shove my head in a drain. But most of the time <laughs> I look at them and they are my reason for continuing on this journey because I just love them so much. So, and also just thinking about hangovers, how they made you feel. And if you have an app like a sobriety app, that's a really good way of distracting yourself from the boredom. Just look at how well you're doing, count your days. Um, and really you don't want to drink because you don't want to let set your, you know, let yourself down. Because if you have got a few days on there, it kind of does spur you to go on. So I do recommend getting one of those. But really it's distraction. It's distraction from mm. the moment. It's about thinking about your drinking habits, why you're trying to slow down and your reasons for continuing on this path. And I think that's a really, really good way is just to sit there and feel it. To follow on from that, what I say is, and it's similar, is just to take it minute by minute. Yeah, day by day, minute by minute. Yeah, that's what someone on the group, the sober group, that when I went on and I was struggling with boredom actually said, and like your cassette tape, Vic, it really resonated with me. It's like, if I can get through this minute, then I can get through the next minute. If I can get through the next five minutes, I can get through 15 minutes. Um, And that's all that you need to do is you just need to find little things to help you get through those small periods of time, whether that's knitting, um, meditating for some people, writing a book. Vicky wrote a book. That's one way to distract yourself. Um, Pick up the phone and phone a a supportive friend. And um, I always actually remember when I was struggling and and Vicky was aware of that and um, she would say, look, you know, if you're ever in need, can call me anytime and I and I I needed to contact Vic for some reason I think I was just changing the time we were meeting up one day and then I thought oh, she's going to be really busy with the kids now and I won't disturb her so I just sent a quick text saying can you call me when you get a moment oh god can I you call me of course she thought she phoned me straight up going oh my god are you okay don't have a drink and I said oh no I just wondered if we could meet half an hour later <laughs> I thought you were passed out with a bottle of vodka. I was like, oh, God, she's gone back. She's gone back to it. She's gone to the other side. She's gone to the dark side again. <laughs> but, yeah, I had Vic and I actually had a few people who I could turn to and have a phone call with. And you work out who those people are. 
Um, and sometimes they're people that you, you don't expect, the ones who are going to entertain you, take your mind off of having a drink. Um, you know, I would, I've got a local ice cream shop, so I'd sometimes drive over there and grab an ice cream, eat whatever you want. Don't worry about what you eat. You know, the one thing you've got to do, one thing only, do not put a drink to your lips. Yeah. And the longer you can do it for, the easier it will be. And it might seem boring, but boredom's okay. We can cope with that and we can reframe it and we can do things with it. Actually, Lucy, it comes to a good point. I was just thinking there about that. Actually, I was bored of thinking about drinking. So it's like the opposite. Actually, in the end, the boring thing swapped around for me. It wasn't that I was scared of being bored. It was actually I was bored of drinking. So, yeah, the whole scenario sort of flipped on itself because I was so preoccupied. And I think that's what we're going to talk about next is like there's a few funny comparisons where you realise that drinking is actually boring. Um, what were yours, Lucy? Oh, yeah. Look, but can I just say you just made such a great point there. I just want to make sure you, you do get so bored. And I think if there's people listening who are still drinking, how often are you thinking about drinking? Are you thinking of it first thing in the morning? Am I going to have a drink today? Playing with your mind? No, I, yes, I will. No, I won't. And then you have a drink. Shall I have another drink? And then the guilt kicks in because you've had a drink and then you finish it. Yeah. It is so bloody boring isn't I mean, it and yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up because you know that's what's that's what boring is that is boring. thinking about the same I mean, thing day in day out I mean it's it's almost madness isn't it I think mm. that is I think that is the definition of madness is repeating the same negative patterns over yeah. and over again I was so preoccupied with drinking I think that word preoccupied is really important it was all I thought about, not all the time, not all the time when I was with my kids or anything like that. But when I was out, if I was around alcohol, I wasn't I wasn't in conversations. I wasn't engaging with people with like cheerful interactions. I was looking at my glass after checking that the barman had filled it to the right mm. level and taking mm. it back if he hadn't. And then I'd be sitting, looking at my levels, not really listening to what anybody was saying and just thinking about my next drink yep. and then my next drink and then my next drink. Have I got money on me? Do I need to go to the cash point? And then the days when I was at home, when the kids were being annoying or whatever, I would be looking forward to that wine instead of thinking about my children. And that's where I knew I had to make a change. So that preoccupation with alcohol is so bloody boring in it the is, end, it, isn't it? It does. It feels like it's driving you insane. Yeah. And a life without it is just like freedom. Total freedom from that. Being sober for me is like that massive sort of ball of stress has been lifted off my chest and chucked in the bin. That preoccupation has gone and now I'm free to be bored if I want to be bored, which for me is like peaceful and I'm free to just do whatever I want. There's nothing going to stop me now. There's Mm. nothing in my path that's going to stop me moving forward. So that's a really amazing feeling. And that will happen to everybody. It definitely does. Without a doubt, it's taking away a massive chunk of anxiety and repetitive boredom in your brain and replacing it with wonderful things. Takes time, takes takes effort. Yeah. Um, But yeah, let's move on to these because we were just thinking, we thought it might be funny to share some comparisons Mm. about you know, what's boring? You tell us what you think. So we've got a few each. You want me to start with mine? Or yeah, go for it. No, you go. Ahead? Okay, so my first one is, which is more boring? Remembering the programme you watched on Netflix last night so you can move on and watch something new or completely forgetting what you watched on Netflix last night, having drifted into a dis- depressed oblivion, drunken <laughs> oblivion, I might add, while staring at the TV and then watching exactly the same thing 
the following night. Gosh, did you do that? Did you do that a lot, Lucy? Did oh, you? I did. I, I actually watched once a whole series. I've got, and I know I watched it because it, you know, it shows you on Netflix. But I, and I have vague recollection of it, but I can't remember most of it. Well, that's very yeah. honest of you to admit that, because I mean, yeah. my drinking was different to yours, whereas you drank more at home, and yeah. I was more of a social binge drinker. So that's like yeah. a real. So I was like that. My Netflix was my night out, if you yes. know what I mean. So I was like out, not remembering anything. I, at and, least I was hidden from the public. Yeah, eyes, mine was like a really depressing series, actually, of events, like a 12-part mini-drama. You were. Of, you were the drama. I was the drama. I was the, the, Everyone was watching yeah. you instead of you watching something else. Yeah, it was like a really bad period drama. I wasn't in any Elizabeth, Elizabethan clothing, It wasn't weird, but yeah, it basically was a depressing... Like those dramas that I watched, probably, yeah. but I just couldn't remember any of them, so it didn't really matter. But <laughs> yeah, that's sad, really, Lucy. If I think about honestly, oh, if we yeah. talk about that, like you sitting at home watching TV and drinking on yeah. your own, I find that sad. I feel sad when we talk about things yeah. like that because yeah. it's not a nice place to be. That. No, it's not. You it's know, very you isolating. To, you shouldn't feel the need to do it, but I did for many years. Yeah. And um, I guess it, it does sometimes have to get to that point where it gets so bad that you ask yourself that question. And we've covered that, I think, in podcast number one, didn't yeah. we? So. Yeah, questioning, yeah. So, yeah, I remember many nights where I'd be sort of grinding bar stalls at dodgy drum and bass clubs. <laughs> and now, you know, now I don't do that. I don't miss it. I, I you know I, I do still like a bit of drum and bass here and there, but things like puking, grinding, yeah, private, do, I do a bit of private grinding, chair at home, <laughs> <laughs> grinding the sofa when there's no one looking. <laughs> You've got to get your kicks where you can. Yeah, exactly. I'm yeah, ten years married, so yeah, grinding the sofa every now and again does the job. <laughs> too, too much information. <laughs> yeah, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to chuck it. He's going to chuck us out of the studio if we get too rude. <laughs> yeah, so staying at home actually compared to those nights and having a cozy night in with my kids and rather than remembering a wild night out, you know, it's so much better. In the end, I got bored with my own, you know, own actions. It was the same shit every day. The choice became obvious. Mm. Yeah, and of course, I mean it's so obvious now, sitting looking back at it, isn't it? But yeah, at the time it was hindsight. Such a, yeah, it was so hard to see it. Okay, my second comparison is going to a work party where you have a laugh with all your work colleagues, impress your boss, drive home, wake up thinking how much you love your job, or going to a work party only remembering the first half hour, waking up with horrendous flashbacks. Wait, is that Tim from IT in my bed? Oh, no. Mm, yeah, less said about that, the better. No recollection of getting home and thinking, I don't care how much I love that job. I am never <laughs> going back. Well, at least it wasn't the dodgy techie guy. <laughs> oh, well. With not. the mullet. That was last year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, fair enough, yeah. We've all been there. No, no one was safe. Gosh, I remember getting up. I mean, I... It had been a work night, you know, work do. So everybody there was so drunk at the work do. But everybody knows at a work do you've got to go into work the next day mm. because you've all been out together. So they mm. all know you've been drinking. But still, I would try and make that phone call. I'm not very well. <laughs> try and get away Try and get with away it. with it. But everyone knows that I was like right. absolutely plastered the night before. But I would still try and get away with it. Terrible. I think I'm still traumatised after some of my work do's. In fact, I had to stop going. And I'm yeah. not joking, like when I, sort of in my later years of drinking, if there was work to do, however good it sounded, however much you were going to get for free, food and alcohol and whatever the activity, I just had to say no. I, mean, I, was... I might not have a job the next day. Yeah. I mean, it was better. sometimes the hangovers were so bad that I'd rather not have a job. Yeah, me too. Than move my head. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? 
I know. I would. I couldn't even move my head. Or just the humiliation of going in. Just the in. humiliation of having to hang. You know, walk in the door and everyone look at you and you not knowing what you've oh, done. It's too much. It's oh. too much. That alone. I mean, it's it's just that a alone. It, thing. But that alone is a reason to stop drinking. Yet I continued <laughs> for many many years because you can't see out of that when you're in no, it. You it's can't. like being in a you know in a prison cell. You can't see out of something when you're deep within it, and it's really really hard. And that's to, what we're trying to do here. Yeah. Yeah, help people see see that we've been through it, and you yeah. look at us. We and and we can help you get out the other side of it by reminding you of how awful it is and how good it can be. Yeah, exactly, and how we can change. Like me and Lucy have changed. Mm. We're not perfect, and we're still silly, but we we're happier for yeah. sure, aren't we? Maybe a little bit boring. But... Maybe a little bit boring here and there, depending on where you're coming from. But mm. we've got some tips, I think, to, to end have. the podcast. Yeah, with we've today. got some tips to take away. Do you want to start with? Yeah. So you only have to look at a dictionary to see why people think sober is boring. The question is, will you be guided by a definition and fall neatly into that box? Or will you tread your own path and discover the truth about the sober, boring myth? Tread your own path. Yeah, tread your own path, people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, It's easy to confuse spare time created by sobriety with boredom. But it's just that, spare time to use however you please, so long as you're not drinking or taking drugs. Yeah, or anything bad. Yeah, do good things. <laughs> do good things, do good things, yeah. That can be our little logo, do good things. Um, you might feel completely lost without alcohol in your world, like a blank canvas, as Lucy was talking about. And we get it. Instead of thinking of going back towards a drink, think about what you would like the canvas of your life to look like. And start working on that. Splatter some paint on it. You know, do a Jackson Pollock. Make something amazing and colourful. It is an opportunity, so grab it. Yeah, it certainly is. Being able to handle boredom whilst getting sober is super important. Not having the determination and tools to do it could make the difference between drinking again and staying sober, which is why we're doing this podcast. Listen to it again if you need to. Have a support system to hand. Join Vicky's Facebook group. Vicky? That's Your great. Yes, the so, sorry, the Sober Social for Sober Curious Women. That's an international group of just women talking about sobriety. So, yeah, just go on there. It's on Facebook. Yeah. Um, and and as well as that, make sure that you've got plenty of your favourite food to hand. Eat uh, a litre of ice cream. Don't worry about it. Do a skydive. Do anything you want. Just do not have a drink. Work on reframing what the feeling of boredom really is and harness the positives. Remember, self-reflection and change can be scary but it can also be brilliant. There's a great quote. When you quit drinking, you stop waiting. Lucy and I are both so glad that our wait is over and we can live life to the full again. We hope you'll find that place too. Giving up drinking means your brain is given a chance again. Those rusty cogs will start moving, which opens up new possibilities. When you're not totally preoccupied with alcohol, you'll gain interest in other pastimes, healthier options. So try new things, go new places, create, dig up some clay in the garden and make a bowl for fuck's sake. Vicky's made loads of bowls and a kettle. Yeah, yeah I've made so, all sorts yeah. of shit. Yeah, her house is full of them. Um, <laughs> full of loads of old clay rubbish. <laughs> Still, she doesn't drink. Yeah. Um, once the feeling of boredom is replaced with other more positive stuff the world becomes your playground and you'll be pleasantly surprised at who was hidden underneath that very thick layer of alcohol so turn off your inner mantra that drinking is the only way to have fun it's just not true sober is what you make it you've done drinking 
Lucy and I did it for 25 years and it's time for change. Now we love going home and having a nice cuppa. The simpler things are not boring at all. They are peaceful. Not being part of the chaos that alcohol created is a wonderful feeling. It certainly is. So exchange chaos for calm, wine for tea and anxiety for a lovely slice of self-love. Yeah. We love a bit of self-love. We'll be yeah. talking a lot about that in the future, I think, because yeah. that is the other sobriety path. It yeah. isn't just about giving up drinking. It's about who is underneath those, yeah. those layers of alcohol. That wonderful person you're going to find underneath. Yeah. Now, look, before we finish, you, you've you got something you want to say, a really great uh, little reminder to everybody listening. Do you yes. Want to read that out? I just wanted to say that I think it's important to let our listeners know that even though Lucy and I joke about our past and crazy drunken behaviours in this podcast, we are serious and passionate about helping others dealing with alcohol addiction. The normalisation of binge drinking in society and the effect that alcohol abuse as on individuals, relationships and families can be devastating. We do not underestimate the impact of alcohol that it's having on people's mental health and their physical health. We hope our stories, our humour and our personal insight will inspire you to reach out for support. We also hope that we are proof that actually sober doesn't have to be boring at all. Well said. Love it. Oh, time to go and get some more chocolate. Yeah, yeah, that's what we do most times. I'm leaving here, isn't it? <laughs> Go to the garage yeah, again. Put on a few stone. We better make kilograms up. or whatever it yeah, is. We, we better make up with Alan before we go. Yeah, because we don't want to have to stop paying. We don't want to have to stop paying him. No, unless yeah, I don't know. He's not happy with us, whatever. Mm, oh well, miserable, boring bastard. Miserable bastard. Yeah. Done yet? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Sober Awkward podcast. If alcohol is affecting your life in a negative way, you're struggling to moderate or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time for you to reach out for help. Contact your local doctor, a therapist or connect with a local AA or sobriety group. In fact, Vicky's got a really great one. Yeah, it's the Sober Social for Sober Curious Women. You can just search for that on Facebook. Lucy and I will both agree that even though this journey can be awkward, it's definitely worth it. And if we can do it, then you can too. For more support around sobriety, head to my website, drunkmummysobermummy.com. And Lucy runs an online space to support and inspire single mums. Find out more at beanstalkmums.com.au. Finally, if you've loved the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to subscribe rate give a review and share it with your mates but don't worry we won't be angry if you don't i might be a bit angry lucy i can't say that they won't mind no it's just rude Hi there, I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I think every single one of you will benefit from. It's called Therapy Works and it's hosted by me, Julia Samuel. I'm a best-selling author and psychotherapist. I invite you into my therapy room where I speak to either a known or unknown guest. Topics range from the difficulties of divorce, a life-changing illness to the struggles of motherhood. 
Search Therapy Works now wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com So, as you probably know, my comedy memoir, A Thousand Wasted Sundays, is officially out. All my magnificent fuck-uppery in one awkward hit. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy, it's now available from all good bookstores. We always say all good bookstores, don't we? Yeah. Are, there, are there bad bookstores? No, it's probably ones with moody, moody what? sellers. Oh, yeah, really yeah. depressed librarian folks. Yes, yes, okay, yeah, good, yeah. Good. So there are probably some, but we're only storing it in the good ones. It's only made it into the goodies. <laughs> You can also get it from all good online retailers. The print version and ebook are out now, and the audiobook will be available in March. I've been writing my memoir for five years. It will make you laugh, cry, and cringe, and hopefully inspire a few people to reconsider their relationship with booze. If you love the podcast, then I think you'll love the book, even if I do say so myself. Hamish has read it. What did you think? I feel like I know a little bit too much about you now, to be honest, Vic. Look, I really loved it. It was hilarious and surprisingly moving, but I feel like I've seen you naked in a literary sense. Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, that's worrying. Yeah. yeah. From an emotional point of view, seriously, it wobbled my teeny weeny wooden heart, Vic. Okay. <laughs> my teeny little wooden heart. Well, his, teeny little, his wooden heart is broken. Anyway, so if you do manage to get your filthy mitts on a copy, please do me a favour and head to goodreads.com and give me a review. Doing that will help me get it out there to those that need a bit of sober support. So there you have it. My story, unwanted warts and all. Come and get awkward with me. Not to be too demanding or anything, but seriously, go and buy it Yeah, now. go and buy it. Go and buy it right now. Yeah, don't just tell your friends. Buy it and then buy your friends one or two. Yeah, yeah, don't give them a copy. Yeah. Buy it, yeah. And you know what? Don't be careful where you store it. If you lose it, you can always buy another yeah, five. Yeah, buy another one. Yeah. <laughs> 